Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach that show by emailing us championshiprandtable at gmail.com. Hello, my name is Louis Shackshaft. You can catch me on Twitter. My handle is just my name, at Louis Shackshaft. I represent Sheffield Wednesday on the podcast. I also represent them for shoot football and um, I'm big on Sheffield Wednesday stats, uh, so you can check them out also. I'm Paul Binning, uh, at the Exiled Robin on Twitter and Facebook and a Bristol City fan, Exiled Living in Wales. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We'll start making a round to where each of us have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start with you, Louis. A very good win over Huddersfield yesterday uh, consolidated your place in the playoffs. What are your thoughts on Wednesday and what they've done this week? It's been a very, very active week for Sheffield Wednesday, actually, off the field. Um, I mean, going back seven days, we, we had a defeat to Middlesbrough in the Cup where we were very poor. Um, the worst thing about that was that we actually played quite a strong team and, and obviously ran out losing 3-0 there. Um, but putting that to one side, I, I wasn't too disappointed because potentially like you know the, the cup for us is, is is not our aim this season so going out of that wasn't a worry it was just the performance um but then everything else really has been quite positive throughout the week so we've had two of our you know star men sign new contracts so Forestieri and Sam Hutchinson have both signed new contracts till 2020 um I'm obviously I know I've been on this podcast before about three months ago and obviously the, all, all the saga with Forestieri when, you know, he, he didn't he didn't play at Norwich, etc. Um, that's all been brushed under the carpet now. And I, I remember saying on the podcast, if if he waited till January and kind of kept his gob shut, I'm sure he'd have got the contract he wanted. And and here we are in January and, and it's obviously been signed and, you know, he's, he's put in some good performances since then. So he's obviously doing the right things on the field. Uh, going out, we've had uh, Sergio Buss, who's, you know, he's, he's been a bit of deadwood at Sheffield Wednesday recently. Well, f- for about a year, actually. He's, he's not really got any games under his belt. He's not played. I don't think he's, he's barely played in the reserves either. So he's gone to a club called Astra Gurigu, uh, who are a Romanian team. I'm sure that he's just uh, gone on a free transfer, you know, just, just to... Get that get that wage return on him, um, and then obviously, as as you guys and everyone will know, that we've signed Sam Winnell, uh, signed from Barnsley, reportedly for only about half a million quid. I know his contract expired uh, in the summer, so we have if we have paid five hundred grand for him, that's an absolute steal. Um, yeah, absolute bargain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't really. We, I mean, if you look at his stats, he's he scored eleven goals in twenty two appearances for Barnsley, so you know, one in two and. If he continues, and I know it's a big if, and I'm hoping so, uh, but like I say, that is a steal. And he came on yesterday, and I'll talk about that, but he, he did impress. He's also scored the most headed goals in the championship as well, with seven. Um, so I'm look, really looking forward to seeing him uh, play for, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday and and see if he's the right man to take us up to the next level. Um, but like you mentioned, Jake, we played Huddersfield yesterday, we won 2-0, so again, we've got the points. 
the first half was abysmal. Um, I don't think oh, we, we might have managed one shot on goal, but to be fair, Huddersfield were exactly the same. They, they just seemed to play keep ball and and we're looking for maybe a draw at Hillsborough. I'm not sure, but, you know, Carlos had to change something and he did it at half-time. He, he brought Winnall on for Fletcher um, and, you know, we, we ran out 2-0 winners, so we can't complain about that. Wallace scored an absolute screamer, wonder goal from, you know, about 30 yards, 25, 30 yards, and that got voted goal of the day, so check that out if you've not seen it. Uh, but, yeah, based on the second half, we, we did deserve to win, you know, so uh, happy with the three points. Uh one of the biggest things for me, not only the points, is we've not conceded a goal at Hillsborough for 368 minutes now. Um, and yesterday was our 11th clean sheet of the season. So defensively, we are certainly in the right direction already. Uh, and we've also claimed 14 points, points from the last six matches. So out of out of 18, uh, we've claimed 14 points. So, you know, if, if going into the next six games, if we can claim that again then happy days you know if we can keep doing that so um it's it's been a really really positive week except for the result in the cup but like i say i'm <laughs> i'm just not too bothered about that whatsoever anyway so uh, let's just hope this continues yeah louis just done win all quickly uh i know you mentioned that he's, he's quite good in the air and i'm just curious how sheffield wednesday are going to use him because obviously you've got stephen fletcher forestieri and gary hooper all at the club as well how do you think you're going to use um winner and do you think that he's going to be a regular in the starting 11 or more of an impact so it's a good question because it's definitely a headache but it's a good headache like we like you know carlos has got and whether he's, I think what he's going to do is going to initially start as, like you've just said, Jake, an, an impact sub, and, and and that's what he did yesterday, and it and it definitely worked. Um, he'll probably start playing him from the bench, and then eventually, if he starts scoring goals and and, and continuing to do well, he'll he'll, he'll then claim his his aim in the first team, you know, and and I think. One of the reasons you brought in Winnell, with like you say about his his heading and success ratio, scoring goals uh, in the box, is because now we've got such as Adam Reach, Callum McManaman, we've got Wallace, we've got wide players who are now really good crossers of the ball, um, and I think it's it's just a win win for Sheffield Wednesday. Even if Winnell turns out to be just an average Championship striker, when you've paid five hundred grand, you know it doesn't matter. So I think. There's no pressure on him because it's been a low fee that he's come for. Um, but I'm, I'm really positive about Winnall. It's, it's one of them where, and I hate to bring his name up, but obviously we've been linked with Jordan Rhodes for about three years. If you take Jordan Rhodes for 10 million or Winnall for 500 grand and take that risk and gamble, I'd, I'd rather take Winnall, to be honest, especially at 25 years old. And I know he's been in the championship for only six months, but he's proved himself at an what you could call a, you know, below halfway team in the championship. So I'm quite glad that we've got him. And regarding Hooper, Forestieri, Fletcher, again, a good question. It's one where I don't know the answer, but I'm guessing it's going to be depending how we play. If if we're going to go all out attack at home, I expect probably Forestieri, Fletcher and Winnall all to play initially in, in the starting lineup, um, and Hooper's just coming back from injury, so he'll probably bring Hooper back into the squad because he's our most prolific striker. 
But again, Forestieri can play on the left, so that frees up a position there if need be. So it's it's good to have not only those players starting, we've now got a stronger bench because of it as well. Um, so where we were quite weak before with Nuiu and Zhao, we've only scored one goal between them all season, and that was in the cup. We've now got, like you say, a Fletcher or a Winnell on the bench or a Hooper and hopefully they can come on and, and, and make that impact when things aren't going our way. Yeah, and you're looking at um, Conor Hurahan by looks as well, Louis, and a, a big rumour of a massive, massive wage heading his way potentially. I don't know how much you know about or how true that looks to be. I know that we've certainly inquired. After that, I, I am not sure how things have progressed. Um, I mean, I know with Winnell coming across from Barnsley already, there's, there's been a lot of a stick towards him. Um, <laughs> with sure. it being like a, you know, a South Yorkshire rival. So if we were to get Hurrihan as well, I mean, I, I'd love the player. He's, he's kind of like... A, yeah, he's quality. It, yeah, he's a, he's a quality player. And I think it's just going to be very harder to get over the line because obviously I know there's interest there from Villa and I've heard Norwich and maybe a, a couple more teams. So I think with... With this one, it might be one what rides out right until the end of the transfer window where it's going to boil down to the amount paid and the amount that he's going to be paid in wages as well. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd certainly take him like in a heartbeat. Again, whether it happens, I don't know, and we might have to turn our attentions elsewhere. But I think it's between ourselves and Aston Villa. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing in our favour is... With it being Barnsley, he, he, he wouldn't have to move. You know, he, he's, I'm sure he's settled yeah, in big, South big deal, Yorkshire. So, yeah, 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 and it can be. And, and that's probably one of the reasons Winnell's come to us also. And, and mm. it is, like you say, it's a big deal. So it should certainly pay, play a part. But again, it's it's probably going to be down to the wages. We, we shall have to see. Yeah, I think they're both players that we were quite hopeful of signing with Lee Johnson. Obviously, links with Barnsley from last season. And certainly in the summer, I think there were names on our, on our radar. And Winnell now but yeah we're not going to compete with that sort of wage and as you say the chance to stay at home in, in Yorkshire rather than moving all the way down to Bristol for a team in free fall is you know obviously a much more attractive proposition I and mean, then yeah we're not going to compete with Villa on Wednesday if they're in for these sort of players yeah that's it and and one thing as a Sheffield Wednesday fan that's good at the moment is that when you are interested in a player I've, I've never known it before from me being a kid but we've actually got the money to spend on wages now so mm. we can, you know, like you say about getting players over the line in the past, it's been like, yeah, we've shown interest, but we've always missed out. But now, like you mentioned, we're probably willing to pay about 28 grand a week in wages for him to come to us. And, and, and if we, you know, if, if we can do that and we've got the money there, then then so be it. It's, it's going to be an attractive proposition for him. Mm. So, Again, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I, I would take him in a heartbeat and I'm, I'm sure he'd fit perfectly into our squad. Yeah, just moving on to Bristol City now, Paul. Obviously, another disappointing defeat, seeing uh, the slide continue under Lee Johnson. What are your thoughts on the game? Oh, where to start? Um, it's a really funny situation. I think there's no doubt whatsoever that the club want it. The club's got a plan and they want to stick with a plan and they want to stick with Lee Johnson. I think they do see him as a, a young, talented coach and he himself has pointed to a run he had at Barnsley almost exactly this time last year where they lost seven or eight in a row and he, he managed to turn it around and start their climb up the table, which eventually obviously got them, you know, got them promoted and, you know, after he came to us. But 
we just we're we're so, we're so fragile. We we can't hold on to a lead, and it's exactly the same yesterday as happened against Reading on on the second of January. You know, we were two nil up in that game. We were two one up yesterday, but the second that anyone comes and puts pressure on us, especially down the flanks, we just absolutely capitulate and fold. And the trouble is, you get into that cycle. It's very very difficult then to to turn the players around and turn the turn the the approach around. The whole stadium yesterday, as soon as. Cardiff scored their first, and even even when we went two and up, there was just no noise. Was, the, the whole stadium was just holding its breath, just knowing what was coming, and and yeah, you know, and it did. Um, I think on a positive side, yesterday we had seven or eight individual performances that weren't that bad at all. You know, we we made three signings in January. Um, they all played yesterday. We got a beast of a guy up front now called Milan Juric, who's a Bosnian international. We signed. Um, think for a fair fair bit of money and but he's you know he's six foot six and he gave the, the Cardiff centre-halves who were you know with Matt Connolly one of the probably stronger bigger centre-halves in the division a, a hell of a game and a hell of a torrid ride um we signed uh Bradley Wright from Preston who looks oh, sorry not Bradley Wright Bailey Wright from Preston who looks a looks a solid signing and a guy from Germany called Jens Hegeler who apparently we got for an absolute steal and looks a really class act uh, from Hertha Berlin so we played well. We played three at the back. We switched to that, and I think it was worked for 70 minutes in both games. Um, we played, and it suits our wing backs because they're not the best defensively. Um, we've got a man up front now supporting Tammy Abraham. So in theory, there's a lot of good stuff. But as I say, this, the second Warnock switched it around and brought on Junior, Junior Hoylet and uh, um, Cousin Richard. I mean, they just went at our fullbacks, and they didn't know what to do with them. And we got to sort that that situation out, and we got to we got to get a new goalkeeper and a new right back. Whether Lee Johnson's going to be there to be the man to do that, who knows? It's a really, uh, really big question. Yeah, the interesting one for me with Bristol City is obviously in your last two championship games now, you've conceded late goals. And obviously when a pattern like that begins to start, it's difficult to stop. And like you mentioned, the run that Lee Johnson had at Barnsley as well, it does seem that he is a manager that goes through these runs, sort of similar to Alan Pardew in the Premier League. From my, mm. my experience, yeah. it seems similar. Do you think that he has it... The, the sort of backing of the players do you think the players are still playing for him because that's always an important thing to look at yeah there's been a lot of talk about that I think I think he has I think the, I don't see how they aren't if they've come out and played like they have 70 minutes if that makes sense I know there's you know maybe questions you know why we're doing this in the last 20 minutes really up for grabs we did it against it, it switch as well we let a latest one in I think there's a few issues there he seems to have fallen out with Lee Tomlin who's you know big player for us and rumours of a really big row away at Wolves on Boxing Day between the two of them um, Luke Freeman didn't play yesterday. He was one of our more creative players. He's on his way to QPR by the sounds of it. Um, and we just, he, he seems to suddenly be throwing players in and changing formations around and mixing it up a little bit. And yeah, that, that isn't a good sign, obviously. It smacks of a little bit of panic and a little bit of uncertainty in his own mind as to what the approach should be and how the team should be playing. Um, but yeah, what I will say is, apart from one game this season, and this is showing our goal difference. I think we've only got a goal difference of minus three, maybe we're fifth from bottom. We've only, we haven't lost by more than one goal. And in, we've had seven consecutive defeats now in the championship. And we've been either in the lead or level during the second half in every single one of them. So we're not a million miles away. And I think that's what a lot of the po- more positive fans are trying to hold on to is that, you know, one bit of luck, one, you know, one super resilient display might just be the turning point that, that we need. And certainly the Lee Johnson needs. I mean, it's, much as the club wants to stand behind him and as much as we don't want to get on the managerial merry-go-round, you can't lose 10 games out of 11 and not be under a huge amount of pressure. 
I'm glad you said that, Paul, because I know we talked about like when, when Bristol City came to Hillsborough and I know you were 2-0 up at half-time and, and things yeah. dramatically changed, but I thought when I, when I watched Bristol City, I thought they were very well organised and I am surprised, like you've said, that they've, they've lost like all these games on the bounce and, and for me, that, that they were a very well, very well organised team and I can't not talk about Tammy Abraham because that night, I know he, he bagged a brace, but mm. what do you think the future lies for Tammy Abraham? Because I think for his age, he, he's got already, like he seems to have the experience of and the know-how of how you should play as a striker at all kinds of, like, with, with different kinds of attributes. So obviously in the hair, in the air, sorry, goal scoring, yeah, um, holding up the ball. He seems to have it all. What What do you think he's got a massive bright future ahead of him? Yeah, I do. Whether it's you know whether it's with Chelsea at the top of the league is you know obviously open to question. You know, I think that's a that's a hell of a step up. But he's you know he's he's tall. He's he's agile. He's good on the floor. Um, I mean, most the vast majority of his goals have been six to eight yards out. He's not a big sort of outside the box man or yeah that sort of thing but he's he's good at one-on-ones but I mean I think what he's really shown the last few games I think he, he went for a bit of a I say he went for a bit of a dry spell in November early December and he was playing up front on his own and I think he looked really isolated and really fed up in a lot of games and you can sort of understand why I guess as a you know 19 year old having played every minute of the season pretty much and not getting much support but the last few games I think he's really sort of bounced back and he, he's he's coming out of the line well he's he's he holds the ball up he's really I say really neat on the floor there's lots of nice little flicks and I think the argument I've said is that you're not going to get this at every club but if you've got Hazard and Pedro and Fabregas running in all around you and running past you he could you know he could be excellent in that format because he doesn't need to do it all himself he's you know he's doing what he's doing at a club which is struggling and I think you're right he's got he's got a big future you say whether he's going to be that very very top striker in the sort of country and an England man who knows like I think he'll be an England squad member at the very least what I've seen certainly um and he should hopefully get a chance in the Premier League next season with someone. I think, you know, if yourselves or Newcastle or Leeds or whoever it is that goes up should be, you know, and I'm sure you are watching him very, very closely to see if he's an option on loan next year for a, for a season if you were to get promoted. Yeah, because I just hope that going forward, you know, it happens a lot at Chelsea because they're, they're always spending 30, 40 million on players. I just hope that mm. they don't overlook him and he, he kind of gets ruined and ends up one of these reserve players for two years where I'd rather, from a, a selfish perspective, because he is an Englishman as well, I'd rather Chelsea, like you say, loan him back out or even sell him for five, six million quid and, and give him the opportunity at either a a lower team in the Premier League yeah. or, or back to the Championship. I just don't want him to see the amount of times you see players rot in either Man City or Chelsea's team and you're like, come on, give him, give him a chance at least. Yeah. And at, at least sometimes like at Liverpool are quite good at bringing youngsters through and giving them them opportunities in the Cups. And I just really hope he doesn't get ruined over the next few years and he, he kind of kicks on and and starts, you know, com, com, continuing to score in... in you know, in the in the next level, so we yeah. shall, we shall uh, see what happens. I think, yeah. I mean, without getting too much into the Premier League, I think if you look at what Conte is doing, he is starting to show some inclination towards playing some of the younger players. So they talked about Loftus Cheek, and you know, there's one or two others around there. But Shalabar, I think, who's in and around the squad. I, th- I think the, the model they tend to go for. If you look at Lukaku and Patrick Bamford, spring to mind. You know, they do. They have a year in the Championship. They do well. 
they'll try and have a year either right at the top of a championship or at that lower Premier League level. And then I guess that's, that's a crucial summer then, that second season. So my guessing is that is what would happen with Tammy. I think he's obviously done enough this year. He's not going to be in the championship next year. I think someone in the Premier League is bound to take a risk on him with a big loan fee uh, or whatever it needs. And I'm sure Chelsea will be happy to see how he gets on in the big league. And obviously, uh, yeah, the year after that then is probably the big one for him. And as Patrick Bamford's shown, you know, the danger is you get caught in this middling area between the Premier League and the Championship and you know, end up not playing any games and getting a bit stuck where you are. Yeah, just moving on to Newcastle now. Um Obviously, we got a, we got back to winning ways in the championship, which was pleasing, despite many things going against us um, on the injury front. Uh, we took an early lead through Dwight Gale, a very good finish, doing what he does best. You know, he, he's the best. I think he's the best finisher in the championship, and I, I can't believe that uh, he didn't do better in the Premier League. Although he did do well when he was given opportunities, I'm, I'm surprised Palace didn't yeah, play more did. because yeah. because he 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 is just a natural goal scorer. And he has more to his game than just scoring goals. He comes and gets the ball. He can beat players. His movement's excellent. I, I know it was a shame that he went off injured after he scored his goal. Uh, it looks like he could be out for a few games. So that's going to be a big blow for us going forward because he is our probably our best player outside of Shelby but I'm sort of forgetting Shelby because he's not been around recently but uh, yeah he's going to be missing which is a blow and then after that we had um, Isaac Hayden go off with a muscle injury and then Vernon and Anita went off as well and it was it everything was going against us we had three players go off injured we had one central midfielder on the pitch we had nobody else to bring on so we sort of had to change it up and we went to a 3-5-2 which um, made us a lot more solid but it, going forward we didn't have that much and it was sort of a case of taking the one chance that came our way which we did daryl murphy taking his chance he, he got what uh, a great ball in from a Jose perez and he put it in the back of the net which which was amazing to see because he obviously he's coming for quite a big big fee for his age hasn't been given too many opportunities but now he could be sort of a joker that we have in our pack that we can bring him in and he can sort of score goals and it is two two and two for him now and it's really good to see because i can imagine he's the type of player that works hard on the training ground you know he's, he's waited patiently for his opportunity so it's good that he's going to get some over the next few weeks with gail and mitrovic now out he's probably going to be starting for the next few games at least so that's good to see but the one thing about this win was the way Rafa changed it up because I've seen before with Pardew and McLaren, if we'd have had three players go off injured, one central midfielder on the pitch, we, we they would have struggled to get anything from the game, let alone go on and win the game from a one-all position. So it sort of showed the difference that a quality manager can have. Uh, Brentford can perhaps feel unlucky. They they probably deserved at least a point. But, you know, we've, we've been on the wrong end of defeats like this. Blackburn twice comes to mind. You know, we, we've had those sort of games. So I think we deserve this luck. And it was the sort of win that, that you know, champions have to pull out. And we did it on the day. It, it was a, a, a very good victory. And we could go away now and sort of patch ourselves up and, and go back out again on uh, Tuesday night. I think it's in the FA Cup replay. So be interested to see what team goes out. Off the pitch, there's been a few things going on. Uh, we haven't had anybody come in despite a few bids. Tom Kearney seems to be the one name that it doesn't seem to go away. Fulham quoted twenty million for him, which is probably not what he's worth, but I can see why they want it because you know they've got playoff ambitions. He's their best player. He's their captain. They don't really want to lose him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens to that because apparently we may be going back in this week. From what I've read and heard, I, th- I think we may be going in with an offer, maybe probably below that twenty million, but to see if we can tempt Fulham or maybe unsettle Kearney himself. So. He'd be a good addition, but at the same time, you spoke about about Hurahan earlier. 
if we're looking for a creative midfielder, we could easily go in for Horohan. He'd be good for this season. He's shown enough that he he can maybe be be given a chance in the Premier League as well. And for the fee that that it would require, it wouldn't be a lot for Newcastle. It would be a very relatively low risk transfer. So he's one that I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle moved in for later on in the window when when other options sort of go go away because Rafa's. He, he sort of has a reputation of being a bit of a wheeler dealer. He has everything going on. So I'm sure if if push came to shelf, Corahan could potentially become a target. So it'd be interesting to see what happens if, if that did happen because I, I would think we'd have more than enough finances to get, to get a deal done with Barnsley. But at the moment, he's not really on the radar. And it'll be in, uh, interesting to see what else we do. Today, there was a few negative reports coming out. Not sure how trustworthy they are about Mike Ashley sort of changing our transfer policy back to what it was in the Premier League, sort of bringing in younger players rather than uh, going for players that are over the age of 27 like we did in the summer with Diame and Murphy, uh, which would be interesting if that is the case. I can imagine the, what it probably is that we have a preference for younger players that have a sell-on value. But now we have Rafa. If if Rafa sees fit to bring in an older player, I think there will be you know arrangements made. I think it's sort of a piece that sh- shouldn't be too concerning because if Mike Ashley was getting too involved in the club and obviously going against Benitez because I'm sure it, I'm sure Benitez would come out and there'd be more of an uproar from him because I don't think he'd stand for it, especially as we're very lucky to have him. So I, th- I think Benitez calls the shots, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ashley does want more younger players for sell on value. But I, I think that sort of compromise would be met. I'm not too worried about that. But yeah, it, was a, it was a good week for Newcastle. We got a few injuries, but we've got a big enough squad. Um, Shelby comes back on Tuesday, so that's massive for us because we are half the team without him. So it, that, that's huge. And I think we can push on from here. And, and it was even made even better by the fact that Reading and Brighton both lost. So, you know, that that, that gave us a bit of confidence. And I think we're going to win the league now. I, I, I think we're going to take more points than Brighton over the second half of the season. So I, I'm not... I'm, I'm confident again, but it's not all confidence I think we've got we've been reminded of the task ahead of us the championship's a tough league uh, we've got a lot of injuries to deal with as well and we probably need to bring in one or two players but yeah it was a, it was a very important win because I think if we'd have lost that it, things could have spiraled out of control but we got the win despite not playing too well and having a lot of injuries so that's always good but just moving on to the topics for today now I just want to ask each of you how are you, how are you reflecting on your season to date and, and what changes do you think need to be made in order for you to reach your aims, whatever they may be. They, they might have changed uh, since the start of the season. But we'll start with you on this one, Paul, because I'm sure we both have a lot of questions, me and Louis, about Bristol City. You've answered some of them earlier, but what do you think your aims are for the season now? And, and is, are you sort of happy with how the season's going? Or I'm guessing not, but... <laughs> not right now, no. No, but, but I mean... I... I think there's a real split with fans here. I think there's a lot who I think there's a lot who think it's you know it's been a disaster and we you know we should be up there pushing the top eight top ten and we're looking like getting relegated uh, because of that sort of one goal defeat margin I was talked about earlier. I, I, I'm a bit more optimistic about. I do think we're not a million miles away from being a half decent side. And as you both alluded to, I think you've shown signs of that this season. And you go up to the middle of October and we were you know we were flying, we were doing really well and. We unfortunately came up against Neil Warnock in his first game against Cardiff, and you know, ironic that yesterday was it, you know could be the end of that run, and he just out fought us and out battled us, and we seem to lose all confidence almost overnight. Um, we've got a good squad, I do believe that. I think we we've got two or three areas we need to build on. Um, I think we started to do that. I mean, one thing we have seen in the last two months is we've been out battled in a few games. I mean, the three guys we brought in this transfer window 
about 40 foot between them, I think. They're you know, huge guys. And you looked at our set pieces yesterday, attacking and defending, and we suddenly we got a really, you know, we've got five guys in there at six foot five, six foot six and above, and we're a, we're a big team. Um, so we're not, we're, we're not going to be lacking in that area going forward. Um, but we've got to find this way of not, we're just so poor off the ball. We're, yeah, we're, we're good on the ball. We create chances. We're scoring goals. I think we still have more shots than anyone else in the division, which is quite amazing for a team down in 19th, 20th position. But as soon as we lose the ball, especially late on in games, we just we, we lose all shape. We lose all composure. And, you know, someone's got to sort that out. I hope Lee Johnson can and, and will. But you've got to say, if we lose, we're at Forest next Saturday, uh, just below us. And I think if, if we lose to them next Saturday, it's going to be a very... Very difficult decision for the board to make, I think. I think, yeah, you can't just keep losing games, especially if the teams around you like Cardiff and Forest and teams like that that we have been playing. And I just, yeah, I, I, I think everyone, you always want your club to win. I hope I hope most fans still do and don't almost uh, get in that situation where you want us to lose so the manager goes. So I think that's, a, that's always a big shame when that happens. But enough in there to be slightly optimistic still, I'd say, despite 10 defeats and 11. Yeah, an interesting question that's sort of just come up, come up to me now. I'd like to ask you. Obviously, Gary Rowett is obviously still unemployed. He hasn't got a job yet. He's been linked with Forest, but I don't think he's taken that job yet, or there's been any sort of developments heading in that direction. No. So, so do you think him being available maybe increases the pressure on Johnson because he's another good young English coach who would come in and, yeah. and sort of fit that fit what you were doing at Bristol? So yeah, at the moment. Yeah, I think I think it does. I think uh, yeah, and I think certainly amongst the fans, that's the talk. You know. Whether he'd come to, you know, I, I would think after the job he'd done at Birmingham, he'd be looking for a bigger job. But, you know, obviously he's yeah. out of work and, and we have got a good infrastructure in terms of a you know, rebuilt stadium. And we got, you know, we had 20,000 there yesterday, which is our bigger crowd than we've had any time in the last 20 seasons, just because we've got more space now. So we, we've got a lot going for us as a club still, and that might tempt him. And I think that does, if there's an obvious option out there, um, and I think probably, you know, Cardiff, I've had with Warnock in October, you know, it, it makes it an easier decision, I guess, for the board if they think they can go and get someone who's got that sort of pedigree. It's got to, you know, rather than suddenly starting a, a, a Europe-wide search to, to go and find some some random manager that you, you never heard of. So I, I think it will increase pressure. I think he's the obvious name that would be linked by us anyway. I say whether he'd be interested or not, I don't know. But you look beyond that and you've got to say, really struggle to see who it might be, who would be actually be able to come in and, do a job for four or five months and turn us around. There's not a lot out there with a huge amount of pedigree because so many, so many managers have so little time these days and they all, you know, they all obviously get sacked on a bad run and you just don't know who would, who would actually come in. I guess another point for me on Lee Johnson now is that although there is a, a slight relegation fear, I wouldn't be too concerned at that because I think that the four, the bottom four at the moment are, are a level below the other teams in the league, yeah. uh, even, even Forrest as well. So there's, there's a chance that you could sort of think look to the future and say we we know lee johnson's a good manager you know we've seen what he can do if we can t- look ahead to next season rather than because c- there's not a lot bristol that can really achieve this season. the playoffs are, are massively unlikely unless you went on an incredible run so maybe the fact that you can't really do that much better than a, a mid-table finish might convince the board to give him that time and let him have another crack next season to see if he can recover you do think you're right. There's four teams down there. You, you look n- not as good as everyone else, but I mean, we're you know we've lost ten and eleven, and say if we lose at Forest suddenly next week, we're we're right on that precipice. And 
you know, we can't afford to go down the money that the, the owner spent on the stadium and, and bringing these players in. We spent a lot of money, but we got 15 million, well, ish for Codger, but we spent all of that and a bit more. So we, we haven't gone short by any means in that sense. We certainly can't afford to be paying the sort of wages out in League One that I'm sure we are. So that's, that's always going to be the, the challenge for the owner and the board, obviously. And moving on to Sheffield Wednesday of you now, Louis. Uh, I'm guessing your your aims at playoffs now because automatic seem a little bit beyond you. But from my reckoning, from what I've seen from teams playing against Newcastle, Sheffield Wednesday are the only team to outplay us and and deserve to, the win completely. So I've always thought that they they're the third best team in the league behind Brighton and Newcastle, despite what the league says. I'd say I I think that. So do you think there's a chance that maybe you'll go for automatic promotion? I mean, Brighton could fall off. Newcastle haven't looked that convincing recently do you think that's your aim or would you be more than happy with playoffs um <laughs> it, in, at this stage i think sheffield wednesday be, have to be happy with the playoffs um it's frustrating because like you've just said you think sheffield wednesday are the third best team in the championship but for me the, the league you look at the league table and it doesn't lie we're, we're in six and we're in six for a reason and it's because there's been a couple of games this season where we have been poor. Um, and, and it's like one of the moments where you scream inside your head because you think, if we'd have beat Birmingham or if we'd have beat Burton or if we'd have beat whoever. And, and you think that that would give us that push to be like you say, you know, first, second, third in the league. And, and we are only a few points off third. So, you know, realistically, we, we, we could be the third best team in the league because we have a couple more wins and we're on a good on a good run we, we, we could be third but like I say the league table doesn't lie we, we've picked up points this season probably when we didn't deserve to um, and most recently against Wolves they outplayed us and we got a point and against Preston they outplayed us and we got a point um, but then you, every team can say that also you can, you can flip reverse it and the games where you know, we've deserved to win. We, we've not took anything. So I was impressed with Sheffield Wednesday, like you say, against Newcastle. They, they went to St. James's Park and, and they had a game plan. And I think they went into the break nil-nil. And I know, Jake, you were frustrated with the amount of fouls, but they, they, they executed that game plan. And it was actually nice as a Wednesday fan to see Sheffield Wednesday go with a game plan and and win there by winning a bit by winning clever, if that makes sense, rather than just going all out attack. They kind of ruffled Newcastle up in the first half. And and I'm hoping it's it's a big learning curve for Sheffield Wednesday because in this in this division we've we, you've got to win in, in, in many different ways and, and that's where we've fallen short slightly a bit this season because we've got great attacking players, we've got great flair players, but when it comes to a bit of hustle and bustle, we've only really got Sam Hutchinson who can stick his foot in and change a game by being a bit aggressive. Um, so I think, you know, going forward into this next stage of the season, if, if we can perform like we did against Newcastle and, and like Huddersfield yesterday, and it, it Wednesday needs to learn, yeah, it, it is just about the result and not always the performance, but the <laughs> it's a strange one, isn't it? Because the performances haven't always been there, but we have been getting points also. So I'd definitely take, you know, one nil victory in every single game for remaining at season, and we've played terrible. Uh, but it just doesn't work like that. So, what one thing that I've looked at over Sheffield Wednesday season is we haven't been scoring enough goals, and and obviously we've we've brought in Winall, and 
you know, going forward, that'll hopefully see us progress. Uh, we, we are defensively sound. Like, we've, we've got, um, obviously, Lees, uh, Leuvens, Hutchinson, who've all been fantastic, as, as, as well as uh, Westwood in net. One thing for me that Sheffield Wednesday need to consider is if one of those were for, to get injured, for example, I'd, I'd really like to see a defender come in uh, just to help cover with Sasso if any of them were suspended or injured. Um, but, you know, we've brought in Morgan Fox, we've got Callum McManaman, like I mentioned and discussed, we've got Winall. If we were to get Hurrihan and another defender, for me, that is job complete. Um, this January transfer window, we've we've got a, a big squad. We've got a lot of quality players. We've got a you know half decent quality bench now as well, which what what we've probably been lacking this you know at the beginning of the season. Um, so so going forward, I just hope that we you know can take that next step. I just like you mentioned, Jake. I think. Newcastle and Brighton, they're there for a reason. They deserve to be one and two. I think we're just too many points off them both to, you know, go go for, go for those positions. We, we play Brighton on Friday night, which we'll discuss. I mean, that's for Brighton. It's it's a three point a game, but for Sheffield Wednesday, that could be a six point a game if that makes sense. If we were to go and win like we did against Newcastle, it puts us into that mix again. The problem what we did when. We beat Newcastle. Was we then went to draw two on the bounce, which you kind of think, you know, Christ, if if we'd have, if we'd have took nine points when we, the, the games we should have won, we drew, and the games you know we had a, had a took a draw at Newcastle, we went and won. It's it's just role reversal. So you can't win in this league. Um, it's something you know you've you've got to come with to terms with. So I think, like you say, Jake, at the minute, yeah, playoffs is the aim, and we should get there. We we, we are one of the better teams in the league. If we get anywhere near, you know, Newcastle and Brighton with four or five games to do, to go, then we have we have done very very well. So we shall see what happens. But for me, we, we've just got to go into those playoffs if if we get there as as being the the strongest outfit um, and seeing if and see if you know see if that works for us and takes us to the Premier League. Yeah, you mentioned the win over Newcastle there. I was a little bit upset about the fouls, but that's that's me from a supporter's point of view. From me looking at it analytically, it was definitely an incredible game plan for Sheffield Wednesday. They did everything to rough us up. Then they took their chances on the counter-attack, perhaps could have scored more on the day as well. So you played very well and totally deserved those three points. It wasn't the prettiest of game plans, but it was effective. And I think it's those performances that will stand you in good stead for the playoffs because uh, I, I, last year against Brighton, you, you did very similar. And then in the first leg, they were unlucky of injuries. But in the second leg, you, you sort of took sort of soaked in the pressure from Brighton and then got the goal on the break and, and you did things well and your performance against Huddersfield you know two wins in the league that's going to stand you in good stead for the playoffs and so game management and I think game management is one of your strongest points in big matches maybe it lacks a little bit in the games that you should win but from what I've seen in big matches Sheffield Wednesday are excellent at managing the game and carrying out a game plan and that, that's perfect for the playoffs so if you got that I that you'd be one of my favorites at this point but obviously that changes as, as the season progresses yeah I agree and one thing I've I, I was going to bring up with with Newcastle is it's it's strange in this league because it's it's different to the Premier League where you can go away from home and get a point in this league it's 
it's interesting to see Newcastle at the top of the league who do not draw any games. And, and that's a big praise to Rafael Benitez because I think Benitez has fathomed out and it sounds stupid because you'd think every club would do it. But I hate it when clubs go away from home and they, they want to play for a draw. A draw in this league is literally no good to anybody. If you take the course of 15 games and you win seven and lose eight, you'll get more points by doing that than if you won five, drew five and lost five. And I think that's big credit to Benitez for going all out attack and he'd rather lose a game um, trying to win and not taking a draw. Because like I say, you, you, you draw a couple of games in this league and you, you, with the amount of games that's played and the amount of teams in the league who are all compact, you just get overtaken. Uh, in the league by by a couple of teams, so that's again credit to Newcastle for doing that. I just wish a couple of times like this season, like I said, we, we've drawn against Wolves, Preston. I'd, I'd rather us put in, you know, that all go all out attack and and and, and lose the game trying. If you know, I'm I'm not saying I want Wednesday to lose, but I'd rather go all out attack and you know give it everything they've got, just trying to get those three points in, instead of taking one. Because like I say, if one one point is is no no good to anybody even in, in, in this league. It's it's not even any good if you're down at the bottom in the relegation zone, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just one interesting point I thought I'd make. Yeah, I'd agree with that because if you think about it, if Wednesday would have, you know, won one of those games and lost one of those games, you'd be a point better off and that that could make all the difference come the end of the season. And that's the one bugbear I have with Newcastle supporters at the moment is that they're complaining at our, how many losses we've had this season, seven which is four more than Brighton, um, more than Fulham, who are in eighth. You know, we, we, it's the same amount of losses as Aston Villa, who are in 13th. But we are top of the league because we win matches as well. And, and I think Benitez has played it perfectly. It's much better to go for a run of five matches uh, and lose two, win three, than it is to win a couple, uh, win one, draw three and lose one. You know, it's it's much better to get those wins on the board and... and I've, the fact that we can win matches, I think, is why we're going to definitely be in those top two places. I'll just quickly touch on Newcastle season. Um, I can't really complain too much top of the league. Uh, there's a few areas that could improve, but I think moving into the, if we do move into the Premier League next season, that we've got the tactics figured out. It, it, we play a very Premier League system with four-two-three-one with t- two inverted wingers that do a lot of hard work defensively. Uh, and that will that will make us very solid in the Premier League, and I think that you know we'll be fine next season if we did go up. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm fairly happy. I can't really complain. If you look where Norwich and Villa are, who, who were relegated with us, and you look where Newcastle are, it just shows how how good a job Benitez is doing, and, and I'm I'm happy for that to continue. I can stomach a few more losses if it means that we we keep winning matches as well. So it, it's it's going well, and I can't really complain too much, but. We are running a little short on time, so we're going to move straight on to player watch. So if you want to talk about a player that impressed and disappointed in your most recent fixture, um, we'll start with you, Louis. So, so who, who would that be for Sheffield Wednesday against uh, Huddersfield? I'm guessing it'll be dis- uh, difficult to pick a sort of disappointing player. But if you want to talk about Huddersfield player, if it, that, that is more than welcome. <laughs> uh, to be honest, it's, it's difficult on, on both parts, actually, because, like I said, first off, it was you know pretty, pretty dire. It was nothing, not a lot happened. Um, so in in first half there was, there was no one really to pick out because it, it were all pretty much disappointing. Uh, player watch what I'll do. <laughs> you, you've got to look at Wallace's goal for one because obviously that, that was the game changing moment. Uh, on another day that I'd probably fly and and probably land on 
you know, main road outside. Um, but obviously, he's hit the top corner. So, you know, play watch Wallace for the goal. But I'm going to say uh, Winnell came on and he changed the game attacking-wise. So we had a lot more of the ball. We had a lot more shots and created a lot when Winnell came on. But I can't not mention, I know this is not a particular player, but like I've said, defensively, um, Westwood, Lees, Leuvens, Hutchinson, it's it's five games uh, since Wednesday actually conceded at home and we've only conceded one goal in six games in total now. So even though I'm not picking out a particular player, you know, hats off to, to them d- doing the defensive work because, like I said earlier, we, we, we're not been scoring too many goals. So the defensive had to step up for Sheffield Wednesday and, and not concede for us to pick points up. So I'm I'm going to go with, with, you know, with a clean sheet again yesterday. I'm just going to pick out all them four players who, who were you know at brick walls at time it seems this 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 last few months or so um disappointing i'm i'm going to ha- i'm going to say it I've, I've touched on it because it was a, it was a poor first half uh, but fletcher came off at half time and he wasn't having a particular good game it, it wasn't anything he he he'd done solely uh, but he only had I think he had one shot in first half, which was off target, and his, his pack, pass accuracy was only forty-seven percent. So, so he came off, which was, you know, disappointing to see him not getting a full, you know, even seventy-eight in minutes because he's, he's one of our better players. Uh, but I'm not going to complain about Fletcher because he's he's one of our better players, like I say, and he's, he's had a good season so far. Just yesterday, he, you know, he wasn't up to speed. So um, I'll go with him. Yeah, same question for you, Paul. Who, who impressed and disappointed in your in your defeat to Cardiff? Um, so I think yeah, I already touched on this a little bit. I think the back three, um, Hegler, Flint, Wright, all play well. Um, front two play well. I think Abraham and, and Jurich, and unfortunately the, the others all around them had weaker games. But I probably single out uh, Milan Jurich at front. I think you uh, say up against sort of Connolly, Morrison, and Sol Bamba. There's three you know pretty meaty centre halves for Cardiff, and he won't come across much tougher than that all season. And, he gave him a right going over and a right tough game and um, set up both the goals with with balls that stood up and he headed it down into the path path of the player. Um, did that a couple more times on set pieces and set up chances and he looks like he could be a you know, really good signing for us and be really interesting to see if we can get if we can get our wing backs down the line and cutting the ball back. I think he could be you know hugely impressive at attacking the ball and in the air in the area and you know add an extra threat which we haven't really had this season in that sense, to our game. In terms of disappointments, that's a much harder task. Um, I think, I don't like singling him out because I think he tries his hardest, but but Mark Little at right back, he's, he's just not up to it defensively at this level. He he looked okay yesterday for an hour or so because he wasn't really under any pressure, but the second, say the second uh, Warnock brought Hoyler and Harris on, he, he, he just looked all at sea. He, Gave away the penalty with a man who's running out out of the area and away from goal. A completely pointless and unnecessary challenge. Um, the ball for the second goal came in from his side. He didn't close a man down enough. So, I mean, you know, it, really urgently, we need to to find a right back and, and a goalkeeper. I think Frank Fielding is great shot stopper, um, but he's just not doesn't come for crosses. He arguably both crosses yesterday that led to goals he could have come and punched or, or caught and. He sits on his line and, and the danger doesn't get cleared. So we've got to, we've got to sign a goalkeeper. Yeah, the positive on that is we seem to be closing on on the signing of a guy from Schalke, which is a potentially a quite remarkable signing, seeing as Ajax are supposed to be interested in him as well. I guess that just shows what's crazy stuff's happening in the English game at the moment. 
For Newcastle, uh, impressed is a difficult one. Of the few that stood out for me, Kieran Clark was uh, good as he normally is. Um, Jose Perez is very good. He got two assists. Uh, he, he was a lot better in his distribution and attack. He was still a little bit, little bit light away off the ball quite a lot but he works hard and he had a bit of end product yesterday which was pleasing especially as Diame is at the African Cup of Nations and Atsu is out as well so we're going to need uh, Perez to step up over the next month and he sh- the early signs are that he's more than ready to do so Daryl Murphy's another he- he's very hard working he-, he did what was asked of him he was a uh, he caused problems every time he had the opportunity and he, he scored a great header so he-, he deserves praise as well for disappointing it's it's difficult. There's there's one player that stands out, but it's a little bit harsh. I I didn't think DeAndre Yedlin was that good. I thought he was a bit wasteful in possession. He was sort of pushed off it a bit too easily, and defensively, he was beaten a little bit too often for my liking. Um, he's been very good this season, but I think Vernon Anita is a better right back for for matches away from home. I think Yedlin's more suited to playing at home. But now Anita looks like he's going to be out for some time. Yedlin's going to get a run in the team, so hopefully that was just an off performance. But I wasn't that impressed by him but he has been good in other games so I'll, I'll, let, I'll let him off on this one it was probably just a, a bad performance but he, he didn't play that well but yeah just moving on to to next weekend now you mentioned it earlier Louis you've got a, a trip to Brighton how, how do you see that one going um this could be like we've touched on um the if game <laughs> whereby if we win it might be the the moment what pushes up towards the top, you know, one and two. Um, it's it's going to be very difficult. It's basically a copy and paste job from when we played Newcastle. That's what I've got to say about it. Brighton are going to be favourites, uh, rightly so, especially at home. But they have just, you know, they have just got beat. Um, I expect Wednesday to play probably similar to how we did against Newcastle. Uh, set up well, set up defensively, have a game plan hopefully execute it again. Um, it's it's going to be very difficult with, obviously, they've got Anthony Knockout and Glenn Murray. They've got 23 goals between and we, we need to be on guard defensively, which which we have been. And it's been, you know, our, our positive this last month or so, like I said. Um, predictions, I'm going to contradict myself because I said that a draw is no good for anybody. <laughs> but, I can't help but saying it's going to be a one-all draw, but Brighton are a great team and they deserve, deserve to be where they are. It's it's just, again, it's one of them moments where if we do win, can we you know push on and, and catch somebody in second place? I don't know. It's going to be difficult. Um, if we get beat by Brighton, you know, so be it. They, they, they are one of the stronger teams. Like I said, they came to our place and beat us 2-1 and, and, and they outplayed us that day. So, you know, made the best team win. Um, and if if we can do exactly what we did against Newcastle and come away with a one 0 victory, I'll be I'll be over the moon. Uh, but I'm going to stick to my one all prediction. Yeah, I think that's a, probably a fair reflection on that game. That I see it being a draw as well. But if if you do play like you did against us, that that would definitely stand you in good stead. But Brighton of excellent at the Amex. They rarely drop points, so it's difficult. It's going to be probably the game of the weekend for me. But moving on to your game, Paul, you, you spoke about that as well. You got a trip to play the Forest, which yeah. it's difficult to really predict too much on this one because <laughs> yeah, you don't know absolutely where, impossible. <laughs> you, you don't know where they're going to be, and you don't know which person no. that you're going to turn up and whether they can sort of stick at it. So, what is your reading on this game? I think, as you said, I mean, it's, 
two teams in the same position of a league, but I mean, poles apart really in so many ways. You know, they, we've they've got owner problems and just you know unrest at that level, and we obviously just sacked their manager. Um, can't sign any players. We've got players wanting to leave, and you know, in all that area, we're kind of the opposite. We've got really solid owner and structure and set up, and they don't want to sack the manager even though we're on a bad run. We're bringing players in and almost got too many players to choose from to know our best best eleven and our best formation, but. I mean, the net result is the same for both clubs at the moment, unfortunately. It really could go any way. I mean, I think, genuinely, I think the unrest at our club, we could easily go up there and lose 2 or 3 nil if, if the players aren't up for it. And that would be the, the final call for Lee Johnson. But equally, we know they're not great and they're not in form and they've got a lot of player unrest. It might, never know, it might just be one of those games that we need. And we've not got a bad record at there in the last uh, few years, so... Fingers crossed, it might just be the game we need to turn ourselves around, but really could be anything. I'd say nil-nil, because neither team can afford to lose, but I'm not sure either of us are good enough to keep a clean sheet at the moment. So uh, I don't think we can play for that. We've just got to go for it, I think, and try and try and make sure we get three points somehow. And finally, Newcastle are at home to Rotherham United. So it's, it's, this one's a much simpler one to predict if you look at the form than the previous two we've just discussed. But they did just beat Norwich. And you can never know with Newcastle. Like we, we've lost to Blackburn twice. It, it's difficult. It, it's one that we could slip up in, but I don't think we will. Shelby will come back. We may have a new signing by then. Uh, we don't know. We, I don't know what's going on with Gale and 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 Hayden's injuries. But even if they're both out, I, th- I think we've got more than enough to to beat Rotherham. Dwight, uh, Daryl Murphy might get a start. Jose Perez is likely to play again. Uh, and Shelby's back, which is massive because he 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 sort of gives us that extra second in attack because he can pick a ball that gives the attackers an extra bit of time to to pick what they want to do and and execute it. Whereas without him, it's a little bit stunted, our build-up play, and and we have less time to sort of execute what we need to do. So him being back is massive. and He's he's dictated every game that he's played this season. And I think he's going to go from strength to strength this season. I think with him and the team, we're the best team in in the division. So I'm going to say we'll win this one. It may not be the comfortable three or four nil that you may expect, but I think we'll get the three points uh, and sort of make it two in a row in the league and that will be massive. But yeah, with that, we're out of time for today. So if each of you want to tell people where they can reach you or any projects you're involved in, now would be a good time. So my name's Louis Shackshaft. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter. Like I say, it's just my name, which is at Louis Shackshaft. Uh, I represent uh, Sheffield Wednesday for Shoot Football. I've got an article coming out in the week and that's five reasons why Sheffield Wednesday fans love Sam Hutchinson. So give that a read. Um, I'm also big on Sheffield Wednesday stats, so you can check them out on my uh, Twitter feed also. I'm Paul Binning, uh, Bristol City fan, at the XR Robin on Twitter and Facebook. My personal Twitter <laughs> handle is at Jack with two ends. Uh, I write for the Boot Room and EPL Index, so check both of them out. Uh, obviously, the transfer window is going on, so there'll be loads of articles on, on there about that. Uh, I also write uh, about Newcastle things for Newcastle 360, so give them a, a, a look as well. And I just want to thank both of you for joining us today, and we hope you keep listening. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.